What's up, Freedom Chasers? Our guest today has started seven businesses that are profitable and running right now. One of them is a general contracting business, and we're going to talk about the GC side of the rehab process so you could get a better understanding of what it's like on the other side of the table. And we're going to dive into that right now. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. All right, meet Mike Cantalina, a true entrepreneur with a diverse portfolio that includes 15 long-term rentals, two successful Airbnbs, a, a construction company, an electrical company, a thriving online newsplay, newsletter. Mike is a master of multitasking. Obviously, his unwavering dedication and tireless work ethic has earned him a revenue of $1.4 in the past year alone, and that's not including rental income. On top of all of this, Mike's exceptional networking skills have allowed him to raise a whopping $175,000 in private equity, which he's now using to turn a commercial space into a coffee shop. Mike. True. Yeah, I do uh, do a lot of things and wear a lot of hats, but uh, it's been a fun journey so far and uh, you know, looking forward to sharing some of that. Absolutely, man. So let's jump into it. Like, obviously, you have a contractor background here. So what does it look like to be on the other side of a rehab pro project where you're getting the you're getting the call to give a bid and you're actually managing the repair process. Yeah. So we've worked with uh, a lot of first time home buyers all the way up through people who've done, you know, 20, 30 of them. You never know what you're walking into. I think the uh, big HGTV kind of fad for a while gave people the wrong idea of, you know, for $10,000 in six days, you could have a brand new house. You know, unfortunately it doesn't work that way. So we, uh, try to give realistic expectations going in. And, um, you know, we try to talk through with the homeowner, what they're looking for, what they're getting into, try to set some budget numbers. There's been quite a few customers who, you know, they want to pull out walls, put in extra bedrooms, finish a basement that the ceiling's too low, township won't allow. Um, so there's a lot of things outside the construction itself to take into consideration as far as, you know, zoning codes and electrical codes, building codes and those kind of things. And, people always seem kind of surprised when they got to follow the rules, you know? So uh, that's, that's always a big part of it beyond just the actual building part itself. You know, you kind of get to get into the, what you can and can't do before you pick up a hammer. <laughs> Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. So like, what do you think is the, I mean, I, I love how you mentioned HGTV too, because I love how they have like two teachers and they're all going to buy like a $750,000 house and put 200K rehab yeah. into it. And it's just like, wait a second, something here doesn't add up. Um, yeah. And teachers don't make that kind of money. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love all the memes. Yeah, yeah. this guy collects salamanders and makes $1.3 million, you know? <laughs> exactly, right? Um, so, but I mean, that is the impression that a lot of people get into when they're looking into rehabbing houses. They think that they could just put a bathroom anywhere and, you know, they're there needs to be plumbing for it. So, I mean, that's often why the master bathroom is back to back with the one in the hallway, right? So like, what other exactly. things do you see that a lot of people just don't understand from the construction game that a lot of people are missing out on? Because I think this is important information. I think a lot of people are overthinking the rehab, especially when it comes to burr uh, and rentals. Now, if you're doing a high-end flip, it's a little different, but there's a lot of properties where you can clean up the walls, fresh coat of paint, um, new, you know, LVP flooring, switch out your switches and plugs to new, maybe switch out your countertops, you know, and you can be all in for 25, 30,000 and you can increase your value by 30, 40%. Uh, you know, some people, they watch these shows and they want to gut the house, rewire the whole thing, marble countertops, you know, the birch flooring, 
and that's great if you have the budget. But um, you know, a lot of people they're starting out with anywhere from eighty-five to two hundred thousand dollar homes, at least in our area. You know, we're in a, out in Eastern Pennsylvania, so it doesn't really make sense to put that much money in because you also got to take in consideration your refi. Right now, you're getting about seventy-five percent LTV. So you got to know what your final ARV is going to be. You know, if you're buying it at say 100, and you think your comps come in at 200, you know your your budget's only about 50,000 to do your whole rehab. And a lot of people don't do the math before they start with the rehab. You know, they just jump right in and say, new kitchen, new bathroom, new this, and they get to the end of the project, and there's not enough ARV to cover the cost of the rehab, and you know they get left holding 15, 20,000 out of pocket when they go to refinance. And, you know, it takes time with rent to get that money back. You know, if you're lucky, I'd say most people out here are making three to 500 per door, probably profit after your expenses, you know. So if you're 20,000 over budget, uh, you know, you're looking at a couple of years to get your money back just because you didn't calculate that first. So that's definitely something to take into consideration is where's your ARV going to be? What was your purchase price? And then kind of set your rehab budget and work with your contractor on what can you do in that budget to kind of get you to that ARV number without, you know, losing the farm and spending everything you got on it. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there on multiple things. You don't want to imp over improve a property like that's dumb. Why would you want to do that? If the comps don't warrant marble countertops, why would you throw them in there? Um, For sure. I mean, you don't want to be the best house on the block. It's something that one of my first mentors told me, and I, I'm a firm believer in that. I know other people think that they could make the best house on the block and, and power to them, but I'm not going to over improve more than the, the highest comp in the neighborhood. Like um, that's my goal. Like yeah, and especially, you know, if you're going to be a rental, I mean, you want it to be nice, you want it to be safe, that's what codes and inspections are for. Um, but, you know, you're not going to really raise rent by putting in an extra $50,000. You know, rent is kind of set by the market. Um, we see this all the time with people, you know, they think, oh, market rent's 1500 I could get two grand if I have nicer floors or I have better paint job. Now, rent is kind of set by the market. So you you want to do a nice job, you know, you definitely don't want to be in that slumlord category by any means. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people go a little a little crazy on their finishes and, uh, you know, they're spending more than they're going to really get out of it. And, it's, you know, it's going to take a while to kind of even get back to zero and break even. Absolutely. And then you had mentioned actually going through with your contract or like, what can we do here with this budget? I think that's good advice, but it could be bad advice if they don't know the contractor well, too. So how would you kind of vet your contractors then? Because if I said that to the wrong contractor, it's like, what could I do with 25 grand? He's going to fill 25 grand, right? <laughs> he's gonna oh, yeah. He's like, oh, we'll put a hot tub in the backyard. He's <laughs> exactly. like, he's going to find a way to fill it up to that number. So um, I, I suppose the question is twofold. Number one is, how do you find an honest contractor? Because, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you know. It is, sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and then once you do, how do you have that conversation without giving them all that leverage? Yeah. So just a little background on my company. We actually don't advertise or pay for advertising. We're all word of mouth. And we have been for the last about 12 years. Um, we built a you know almost $2 million company that way. So if you could find somebody word of mouth, a friend, a relative, um, if you're a part of a Facebook group with people you trust or a different weekly and monthly meetup, you know, it's always good to try to get somebody that somebody else has used. You know, usually the bad contractors, they make it about two years and then they get discovered and that's kind of the end of them. Um, so if you could find somebody that's getting passed along between friends, somebody who comes highly recommended from three or four people, you know, you're usually 
not all the time, of course, but you're going to be in better hands most likely than just a random home advisor guy. It's real easy to fake reviews and that kind of stuff online, unfortunately. You know, I live in that world and I could put up a profile tomorrow with 35 star reviews and not even own a truck, you know. Um, so if you can get a referral, that always really helps. And I think the second thing kind of related is you always want to get, I would say, a minimum of three bids. You don't necessarily want to go with the lowest guy. Um, it doesn't mean he's going to be the best, but at least meet three people, kind of feel them out. They, you can usually tell pretty quick from talking to them if they know what they're doing, what kind of experience they've had. Um, you know, ideas that you can share, you know, they'll walk in and say, we could do this, we could do that. And the way they explain the budget to you, it's always good to have three contractors or more. If you can get five, even better. You know, I've had people, you know, tell me they've gotten three contractors and I was the highest bid, but they hired me because they liked me and my team. And I've also, you know, been the lowest bid too. So I think really being comfortable with who you're working with is important. And, um, you, you know, you kind of get a feel pretty quick. I think you walk through with somebody for 15, 20 minutes and you kind of get an idea of who they are, what they stand for, you know, kind of what they bring to the table, um, how salesy and pushy they are with different things. So I think that's definitely a great way to, you know, try to find a contractor. Um, like I said, if you don't know anybody and none of your friends or family have had work done, there's a lot of great Facebook groups. You know, I'm part of, I can't even tell you how many, a lot of Facebook groups. People are forever tagging me in my company. Hey, I've used Mike. You know, he did our kitchen. He did our bathroom. Um, you know, and we don't land every job, of course, that comes in. But just getting those referrals, you know, it shows you have the trust behind you. And if you can find a contractor that's been referred by three, four people, uh, chances are he's going to at least be on the right track and, you know, guide you in the right direction. I love the three-bid advice that you just gave. That's tremendous advice on multiple levels. Number one. Like if you continue to get three bids, several jobs down the line, you're going to see what the real price range is for these things, right? Like you're going to see the low bids for a kitchen or, you know, 12,000 or whatever they are in your area, right? And the high bids are 22, um, depending on the size or, or whatever. Um, it's going to give you an idea of what things actually cost simply by seeing it itemized and in your face all the time, right? Um, so, Absolutely. So I love that. And on top of that, um, as you mentioned, you're walking through the property with all these people. What I would encourage people is like, make sure these are apples to apples bids. So it's like you are bidding for the exact same thing. You could add something on. Feel free to give me your advice, but make that separate. <laughs> yeah. Um, put that on the side. We'd love to talk about that thing, but make sure you're getting apples to apples bids so that they're exactly the same. Like this is the quote that I'm asking for. Please give me this. If you want to add anything to it, please do so separately. For sure. And if you can get an itemized bid, I mean, contractors aren't going to break it down to every nail and board, but this kind of helps you make sure you're apples to apples. You know, if he puts in there three Pella windows, you know, uh, lifeproof flooring, you know, this brand decor switches, and the other guy puts in there, you know, whatever window I find at Walmart and, you know, a piece of wood on the side of the road for your countertop, it's material makes a big difference. Material prices the last two years have gone crazy. Um, so, one contractor's labor may actually be better than the other guy, but because he's quoting higher end materials, he's going to come in as a higher bid. So, it, I mean, if you know what materials you like and you want, that's even better. You can tell the contractors, but if you don't know, just kind of see if you can get them to put in their bid at least a brand name, a model number. Like, so you said, you can compare fair bids. You know, one guy's not quoting a five star and one guy's not quoting a two star install, you know. Um, I think another great thing about the three bids, you know, if you're going to continue to do the real estate and you're going to do more than one of these is you'll get a feel for the numbers. You know, if kitchens are coming in 
between 12 and 18,000 on the houses you do, and a guy comes in and says 50, you're going to know right away something's up. Or if he comes in and says six, you're probably not going to want to use him because he doesn't know what he's doing or he's cutting corners. So I think the more prices you get and the more projects you do, you kind of get a feel. You know, like I can walk into a house and pretty much give you a ballpark price within 30 seconds because I've done so many. Um, and, you know, and as somebody who does burrs and flips myself, you know, I, I've learned the numbers that way too. So I think the more you do and the more contractors you talk to, you kind of get that feel of, all right, I know my kitchen should be between 12 and 17. I know I could do a bathroom for 18. If I want a hot tub, that's going to cost me about, you know, six. Um, I finished basements anywhere from 25 to 60, depending on the finishes. Um, but when you start out, you don't know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. I think a lot of times is a problem. So a lot of contractors are they're pretty decent people. They're going to kind of guide you, help you. Uh, there are some out there who, like you said, are going to fill your budget number no matter what it is. You know, they'll use that budget number on one room if they could. Um, but you know, you get three or four bids and you do that three, four, 10 times, you know, you're going to kind of start to get the feel of, okay, I, I know about what this is going to cost, which also helps when you're going to look at a property to purchase. Cause then you walk in and you're like, okay, I'll work backwards. I know ARV is 200. I know this house needs about 50,000 from my previous contractor conversations. I know I can only bid my max bid on this house is 85,000, you know, so you can, once you start to understand the numbers, you kind of work backwards on them and uh, get yourself in the ballpark, at least of what your, your offer is going to be for the property. Absolutely. Yeah. That's tremendous advice. It's like, if you could get the repair number, right, it makes everything so much easier. You know, unfortunately that's still something that you're often going to get wrong because once you start opening walls up and things of that nature, right. you're going to find things, you know, so I tend to add 10% just by default. It's like, okay, if this is going to cost 50, it's probably going to actually cost 55. Um, do you add, I mean, obviously you have a ton of experience in this regard. What, what do you tend to add to your bid when you're buying a property just as a, Hey, this is probably going to come up. Honestly, I had 30% just from uh, previous experience. Um, you well, open up a wall. I tend to be over even with the 10%. So, I mean, that seems valid. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all knob and tube. And you're like, you know, we don't want this wiring. Oh, there's an extra eight grand to rewire the first floor, you know. And you're like, hey, this bathtub is cracked and leaking. Oh, there's another two grand for tile, tub, sh shower, hardware. Um, I'm working with a guy now who's flipping his first house. And he had no idea the sewer line was cracked top to bottom, the whole house. So there's an extra 6,000 just to replace the stack and the vents and all that. Um, my own personal projects, you know, being a contractor, I have a little better idea of the cost, but like you said, you don't always know. You open up the walls and plumbing's leaking. We, we're doing a house right now. It's a six bedroom. We thought we were done. We turned on the water and it started squirting out of the kitchen ceiling because previously the owner had shut off the heat and a pipe burst and we didn't know it. it was inside the wall. So we had to cut the wall open, rip the pipes out, run all new pecs, all new drywall, repaint it all, spackle. Um, you know, we're doing it ourselves as a contractor, so it wasn't expensive for us. But if, you know, if you're not doing it yourself, hey, there goes another six grand that you didn't plan on spending. Um, I, I would say 25% buffer would be probably the minimum I'd want to go, especially if you're new to it. I'd give yourself 30% just to be safe. If you don't use it, great. That means you come out ahead on your refi. You can pull out more cash. You know, I've done houses where I, th I thought it'd be 60 grand. I did it for 40 and I ended up pulling out an extra 20,000. You know, it was great. I used that to buy another house. So, you know, if you're coming at or under budget, awesome. But if not, at least this way, you're not kind of hosed on, you know, getting your, your refinance done. 
No question. You, know, you want to be conservative on as many numbers as you possibly can be. Once you're getting started, you could be a little bit more liberal as you get going and you have a better understanding of the process. But nobody wants to lose money, especially like on a flip project. It's like nobody wants to spend three or four months to lose money. That is that is no fun at all. I've done that before. <laughs> yeah. And also, one big thing a lot of people don't consider is the holding cost. You know, they, they shop around for cheap contractors, cheap material, and they shop and they shop. A year goes by. And what does it cost to hold your property for a year? I mean, 12, 15 grand you just lost, plus your rent you're not getting as well. So another 12, 15 grand. So you could have easily just thrown away $30,000 because you wanted to save 12 grand on a cheaper contractor. And if you had just spend the extra 12 grand on the slightly more expensive contractor, your holding cost, you know, would have been two to three months instead of 12 to 14 months. Um, and a lot of times with hard money, you only have nine or 10 months to refi. So you're on a tight timeline. So, uh, there's many times people call me and they're like, I'm at, you know, I have a month left. I got a refi. <laughs> no, like, we got to get this done. I'm like, okay, you know, you, you got our number and, uh, you know, we'd love to help you. Um, you know, costs are what they are. And I always tell my customers too, like, make sure you're getting other bids. You know, I love to work with you. I love that you trust me and you choose me, but I, you know, I think it's great to even get bids, even if I'm the one that you're asking to hire, I want to make sure that you're comparing prices. You know, it's fair for everybody. Absolutely. I love that you actually recommend that to people because, you know, that's going to set you apart. That's that's what we'd call in the marketing world a pattern interruption. It's like, hey, wait a second. This guy's telling me to get more opinions. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, most of the time people come back and they want to hire us, you know, so it, it rarely hurts us because, you know, we know our numbers and we know we're good to work with. We've got a great design team and build team. Uh, so, yeah, we're not afraid. We're not afraid of competition. And like I said, we don't want people to think we're taking advantage of them. So I think if you have a contractor who's like, hey, yeah, go ahead and get other prices and let's see if we can work something out. You know, it kind of shows that level of, of trust on both sides, I think. Absolutely, man. I got a specific question for you. So I'm, I'm in the Chicago area, so I'm used to, you know, certain expectations. Um, so if you don't know, like conduit is basically the requirement here for electrical, even you know, residential buildings, conduit pretty much everywhere and things of that nature. So we were looking at some properties in this area called Rockford, way west of Chicago. They don't have Chicago codes, right? But like I meet this guy out there, we're looking to get some bids and like everything he comes at me is like 30 to 50% off of what I was expecting. It's like, okay. And I just got the, the heebie-jeebies like crazy. I'm like, you're telling me I could do this for six grand. And I'm like, I'm used to paying 12. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, I couldn't do it because I was just like, yeah, I just, I don't trust this guy. He's new. He's far away. My team's not going to go out there. But would that potentially be realistic, right? Like, obviously, if they're not doing conduit and they're running Romex, it'd be a lot cheaper. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think it would be that much cheaper still. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to tell. You know, even out here, um, you know, an hour away is Philadelphia and prices are way higher. New York City is only an hour and 20. Prices are crazy high. But the Poconos are only an hour away and prices are about half of what we charge. You know, so we, we get tagged on Facebook all the time for jobs up there. And, you know, we just can't compete. You know, it's just a different standard of work, of material. Um, you know, I think our quality is a little better, but that's, you know, Who's to say, you know, everybody does things differently. Um, but yeah, I think area and your geolocation makes a huge difference on your pricing. Um, if you're comfortable with your team and your budget can fit your team in, and you, like I said, it's end of the day, you gotta be comfortable with who you're hiring. Sometimes that's more important than a few bucks. You know, sometimes it's worth bringing them out, but uh, you know, six grand 
if, you know, if they're just doing Romex instead of conduit, it's possible. I mean, conduit's a lot of work, you know, a lot more material, a lot of extra time. So it's, you know, it's definitely a lot cheaper if you're just running Romex and slapping in some plastic boxes for sure. Absolutely. It wasn't, I mean, it was for the whole thing too. Like I'd ask him for a kitchen quote and I'm like, dude, this can't be, this can't be legit. And he showed up with yeah. like beer stains on his shirt and stuff. So, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I just I figured mean, like he was underbidding me and he was going to bid it up as, as he's like, Oh, I wasn't expecting this. And it's like, dude, like I put, I, I brought you here for a reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. You got to watch out for that. Some contractors do give you a super low bid and they kill you with change orders. Oh, we didn't know. They knew, you know, not always, but a lot of times they know. Yeah. That's, um, I tried, I, I tried getting this guy. I was like, dude, I'm not doing a change order. Like you're, if you're giving me this price, I expect it to be done at this price. And it's just like, right. <laughs> right. A lot of people think they can play that game. Oh, I'll tell them half price. And then I'll tell them, Oh, I didn't include screws and glue or tools. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, that's why I said, again, if you can get stuff itemized, um, you know, as a contractor, I don't want to give, you know, give away our inside secrets here, but you know, like I said, you're not going to get super detailed, but if you could at least get an apple to apple from all of your bids, you know, cause some guys was right on a napkin kitchen remodel, 23,000. What does that include? What am I getting? You know? Um, but at least if you have subway backsplash, you know, farm sink, stainless steel hardware, you know, LVP flooring, you know, at least you get an idea that, you know what you're getting and you can look over and again this comes with experience too you can look over it and make sure that not much is missing you know like once you do a couple you look over it and say hey you didn't include anything for flooring what's going on here oh yeah you know that, that's that's why that's why my price is five thousand dollars cheaper i don't have flooring included you know so it, it's just all those little things if you can see it in a list it's a lot easier to kind of you know check yourself and there's all kinds of people online too that share you know their rehab lists and things that you can kind of check against and make sure you're not missing anything that kind of helps you make sure it's all there. Absolutely. This brings up another question. Like as a general contractor, do you prefer working with somebody that purchases the materials for you and then they're just paying for the labor or do you prefer sourcing yourself? Just curious. Definitely sourcing it ourselves. Um, the way we work and every contractor is different. If we don't purchase it, we don't warranty it because I've had people buy the cheapest possible material you can imagine. And then it bows or cracks, you know, not because of the install, just because it's cheap. And then they want us to come back and replace it over and over for free um, as part of the warranty. But if we purchase it, we know we purchase quality material. So um, then we have a warranty. We have a one-year labor and then material comes with whatever it comes with that we honor. It's usually two or three year, you know, on the box, they'll say. So, um, but yeah, like I said, it, I don't like people buying stuff. And also if they're not contractors, they don't know, not their fault. But, you know, they'll buy the wrong kind of flooring or they'll, you know, they'll buy a door that's an exterior door for an interior install or, you know, it's just so much easier when they let us just handle the whole process kind of, you know, A to Z. Yeah, not only that, but like, especially like lumber and things of that nature. Like if I go to Home Depot for 10 two by fours, I might be there for 30 minutes half the time because half of them look like hockey sticks. So like you, yeah, you have to look oh, at every really. single one of them. And right. just to find the 10 two by fours I was looking for might take me 30 minutes. So, I mean, that's, it's important to get straight stuff. <laughs> yeah. And if you have a good contractor, you know, you weed out down to one you want his quality of work is really important. You know, like I said, we don't advertise, we're, we're word of mouth. So our work speaks for itself. So we're not going to put in a crooked two by four, or we're not going to buy a, a cheap doorknob that's going to fall off, you know, because our reputation is important to us. Um, and as a homeowner, because I'm not blaming them, they don't know, they don't, they don't live that world. 
But, you know, you go to Home Depot, you see, oh, this is on sale. This is only $8 instead of $200. I'll buy this one, you know. Uh, and then you go to put it in and then a month later it falls apart or the tenant, you know, rips the doorknob off the door because it's cheap and, or plastic, you know. So we, we see that kind of stuff all the time. And then you end up paying twice because now you're paying somebody to come back and fix it and replace it with the right part. Where if you had just let your contractor kind of guide you to start with, you'd have all the proper stuff installed and you wouldn't have to worry about it. You know, uh, try not to do it twice if you could help it. Absolutely, man. This has been great. So thank you so much for showing me a lot from the other side of the, the table. Like, let's talk a little bit more about your portfolio and what you're building. So you have 15 long-term rentals and two Airbnbs. What else do you have going on in terms of the acquisition game? Yeah. So I'm working a little bit recently on a little creative financing, some private money, uh, reaching out to people on Facebook, friends and family. Uh, I am working on putting a coffee house together. I have a commercial four unit, and right now the downstairs unit is empty. So I raised some capital to do a build out, and put a little cafe in. I'm dealing with zoning and architectural drawings and stuff right now. But I did raise that money through a, um, a private investor. And before I raised that money, I reached out to my bank and I made sure when I was done that my rehab would cover you know, the money to pay them back. So I did all my due diligence first and made sure I had the money on the other side to cover all my rehab costs. So I'm working on that. Um, I'm always looking at digital acquisitions. I'm trying to get a little more into the digital world as far as like purchasing a SaaS company. Um, I've been working on some websites for property management. I'm building out a new platform with a friend of mine as a web designer to manage properties that we're going to hopefully launch in the next year or so, a simple management program. I like the digital stuff because you can kind of do it from anywhere. You know, it's not necessarily passive, but you could take your laptop to the beach and you could work on your apps and your, you know, your SaaS portfolio and that kind of thing. So I'm trying to get a little more into the digital world. You know, I do have a newsletter I recently purchased, um, kind of in like the astrology new age niche, which really was never my thing before. But, you know, I'm kind of learning and it's fun to run a newsletter and it was already monetized. So it's kind of cool to get my feet wet with something that was inexpensive and that was already set up and, you know, kind of learn how it works and how you run the software and your different stack tech stacks, the stuff you got to use. Um, it's just a change of pace. Cause I've always done, you know, brick and mortar, the construction the electrical, the rehabs, the flips, you know, so it's kind of cool to get my feet wet in the, the online digital world. And with all the AI stuff, I'm getting into chat GBT and open AI. Um, there's so much going on right now that you can kind of invest into or get involved with. That's, kind of a low barrier to entry that I think in the next couple of years, you're really going to see take off. I mean, if you can get involved with the open AI stuff right now, it's, I think it's going to be the future. It's going to go crazy. So trying to see how I can either get involved with like some VC funds, um, you know, or something like that, just to invest in some of these companies that are going to be coming out and that are coming out. Uh, the health tech space is also huge. You know, I think in the future, the health technology with all the wearable rings and bracelets that monitor your blood pressure and heart rate, you know, there's some great companies out there to invest in. I've been listening to other podcasts that have been talking about the same thing. And um, there's just so much opportunity out there right now. Things are changing so fast. And I think if you can just keep up and, you know, put your money in the right spot, you know, you don't need the 100x your money. If you could four to five exit and you just do that every year or two, I mean, it's slow and steady game. But, you know, there's some great companies, some great funds out there. Um, I, I just binge podcasts all day. I mean, I'm forever listening. You know, you guys, there's some other one. I don't know if I'll have to say names, but there's, there's some other ones out there um, that are really, really good. Um, my First Million, that's what, you know, one of my favorite ones. Those guys, um, Sean and Sam are great. Um, Marketing Against the Green, those guys have been good. 
Um, you know, there's a bunch out there that uh, uh, Entrepreneurs on Fire, I think, is another good one. They're just spitting out all these ideas, places to look, things to look into. Of course, bigger pockets. I mean, we all listen to bigger pockets. You know, it's kind of the where you start. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, there's just so much information. You know, like you don't need to go to college or take seminars. I mean, I, I think between YouTube, podcasts, and Google, there's just infinite information out there. You know, and I think if you want to learn it, you can, which is really cool, exciting. Absolutely. There's no shortage of information. Like we are definitely within the information age. I mean, you have to go out there and, and choose to consume the right type of information, which is, I think, where a lot of people are making mistakes. I'm curious, man, like you have so many businesses going on right now. Like which one of them, like, are you most passionate about? or which one of them gets you most energized when you think about it? I definitely like the electrical and construction. I mean, I've been doing it. I'm a third generation. I've been doing it my whole life. And that's kind of like my main source of income. And I really enjoy just the whole process of meeting with a client, coming up with kind of the idea of the project all the way through the finish and the closeout. You know, it, it's, I actually have fun doing that. You know, it's cool. Um, I, I would say next, I do love real estate. You know, it's been really cool to get into. I'm not a great landlord, so I've learned to delegate. I've hired some property managers, which I think learning how to delegate, I wish I learned it 10 years ago because I'm the kind of guy that's like, I'll just do it myself. You know, I don't need any help. I, I could figure this out. Um, I would have saved myself a lot of money and pain if I had just hired property managers. Um, but I know that I love the acquisition, the deal making, the rehab. So, you know, you stick with the part you're good at. You know, you find the deals, you fix them up. And then when it comes to the tenant part, I just call up my property manager. You know, I have about three of them I deal with now. And I say, hey, this one's ready to go. Put somebody in there and collect the checks. You know, it, it's not my strength. I kind of know where my strengths and my weaknesses are. And I think learning that was a huge game changer for me because I, I was doing A to Z. I mean, I was managing them. I was, you know, taking care of late payments and repairs and then running four companies uh, you just can't, you can't, it's, it's too much, you know? So I think learning what to delegate to the right people, just, it's such a game changer. I mean, you can scale and start to grow when you take yourself out of the stuff that, you know, it's not your strength. I think that's a huge, huge lesson. Without question. Um, that's a huge lesson for an, anybody that starts to be a landlord because everybody wants to be the nice landlord. And you know, that's, that's how you start. Um, and that's how you start. And then um, you have the same excuses every month. And, you know, it, that is just something I think most people are better off delegating because. <laughs> and that, just quick story. That was kind of how I got into um, hiring somebody. You know, I'm, I'm not very good at being mean or, you know, pushy. So I had a tenant that was seven months behind on rent. And every month it was a different excuse. And, you know, I just don't have the heart to throw people out. I know that's part of the business. I just couldn't do it, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, I, it's part of the business. It has to happen. I need to hire somebody who can make it happen, you know? And that was kind of my first, I was almost forced into hiring somebody to do the things that I, I just couldn't do, you know? And I, I knew that just wasn't my strength. I wasn't comfortable handling it. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it. It's a business. You can't take it personally. You know, you, you want to be, give people a little bit of leeway, but at the same time you have to run a business and pay your bills. So you can't, you know, you can't let it get out of hand. And then, you know, after I was, I don't know, I think at that point it was like ten, eleven thousand $11,000 behind. I was like, I got to do something, <laughs> you know? So I hired a property manager and then they got it all straightened out within like two weeks. And I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. You know, from now on, I am no longer dealing with tenants, <laughs> you know? Um, so I, you know, I think putting people in the roles where your weaknesses are, so you can focus on your strengths 
will get you leaps and bounds ahead, you know, of where you are now trying to do it all yourself. You know, even with rehabs and flips now, I don't even do all the construction work. Um, you know, sometimes I'm so busy running my other companies. I, ha I have a lot of friends that are contractors just being in the industry. You know, I'll call up another contractor and say, hey, I just bought a house. It needs a kitchen and bathroom. You know, come give me a price because I know my time spent there could be better spent, you know, managing other projects. So, you know, I think learning where your strengths are and then really going hard after those things and then delegating out the things that aren't your strengths are going to just put you miles ahead of everybody else. Uh, 100% agreed there, especially the way you, you just explained it, like lean into your strengths and then eliminate the weaknesses, right? Like that's, that's what you do. Like lean yeah. into your strengths, eliminate your weaknesses. Absolutely tremendous stuff, Mike. Um, so cool, man. We kind of just hit the new year. It's, it's uh, February 1st right now. Like, what's your vision for the next 12 months? Hoping to grow the construction company. I actually just hired a business mentor. Uh, I never had one before. And I kind of felt like I've gotten myself as far as I can go as far, you know, I, just a quick background. Um, I barely graduated high school. I'm a college dropout. And then I grew this company to almost 2 million in about six years. Um, so I, I figured out a system that works, but I feel like there's so much more to learn. Um, I mean, you always got to be learning, always got to be learning, reading, learning, you know, listening. Um, so I recently hired uh, just a business mentor to kind of take me to the next level. level. So my goal this year is uh, one more Airbnb, two more rental doors and two million revenue with the construction. So that's my my goals for this year. We'll see if we hit them. I think if I hit them, my goals weren't high enough. You know, <laughs> you, know you always want to have goals you can't hit, uh, you know, shoot for the moon kind of thing. But, um, you know, I think with a little guidance and mentorship, it's, uh, you know, it's a great thing. I actually listened to one of your podcasts today with a guy who was talking about hiring a whole bunch of coaches and mentors. And uh, I think he hit the nail on the head. You know, he was saying he has a coach for everything, a coach for fitness, a coach for nutrition, a coach for real estate. And, you know, a year ago, I would have told you, ah, it's a waste of time. Just go on YouTube or Google. But when you have that experience of somebody who's done the thing you want to do, it's almost like having the cheat codes. You know, they know what mistakes to avoid. They know don't eat these foods if you want to lose weight. They know don't look in this neighborhood if you want good rent. They know don't hire these contractors if you're doing a rehab, you know? So I had to humble myself a little bit, you know, and realize, hey, there's nothing wrong with getting a coach, a mentor in different areas. And then you just, you don't know what you don't know. And once that's kind of brought to light, you're just like, oh man, this, this is amazing. Like I'm learning so much about myself and about, you know, these things I want to get better at, but, you can't get better if you don't know what to do to get better, you know, you know, so you kind of need somebody to point that out to you. And if they like with my company, you know, my goal eventually is to sell my um, business. That's my goal, my service company. And the guy I hired my mentor, he has built and sold several service businesses in the past. So I'm like, here's a guy who's done exactly what I want to do. He, he has the answers, you know, he, he's done it multiple times. Um, I, here I am like banging my head against the wall, trying to figure out numbers and, multiples and in what investors look for in a purchase of a company. And I, I have no idea. It's a different world, you know? So here's a guy who's done it four or five times. Why not just have him tell you the answer? <laughs> you know, uh, it just seems so simple looking back, but uh, you know, it goes for anything too. real estate, find a good mentor uh, who can, who's done what you've done. It can kind of give you some tips or, you know, same fitness, nutrition. I mean, it's, it's so hard to know what you don't know. And then once you bring in those people, they just put you right on the right track and you progress 10 times faster, you know, once you get on that right track. Yeah, it absolutely is a cheat code. Like what easier way to get directions from somebody is, you know, ask somebody who's been there before. 
Um, you don't want to ask your, your, your uncle how to sell a business unless he's done it. Um, right. if he's not, his, his advice isn't relevant, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so I think, got a lot of advice. But... I, yeah. I think that's, um, I, if I know who you're talking about, I'm pretty sure it was the Abbas Muhammad, um, Abbas Muhammad episode. And it's like, yeah, you yeah. could have 10, epi you could have 10 coaches and, and they should each have their lane. Right. right. Like something that's, that's very important. It's like, don't ask your real estate coach for financial advice. Um, right. uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Or don't, yeah, don't ask your contractor on you know, what food you should eat. Exactly. They tell you yeah. Red Bull and beef jerky, you know, yeah. so <laughs> you got to, I think if you have a guy in your lane, um, they do cost some money and it's a little hard to kind of swallow that bill at first when you're hiring people and you think, oh, I can figure this out. How hard could it be? But I mean, if they've done exactly what you want to do and they're willing to tell you how to do it, I mean, that's almost priceless. You know, you, you really can't be getting the proper mentor, the proper coach, um, you know, whatever advisor, whatever you want to call them. Um, I mean, there's agencies out there you can hire and um, I have gone that route for my business because they're larger and I need bigger help. But you can also find, I think, small people, you know, like I think that guy even had a story. He saw some guy at a gym who was like ripped and he's like, dude, what do you do? Teach me. I'll pay you. You know, you know, like just find somebody who's done what you've done and just be like, Hey man, like I want to be you. How do I do it? You know? And, um, I'm hoping that I can coach one day and, you know, I I've done a lot and I'm not quite there yet. I don't think, but I'm hoping that I can offer my life advice and onto the next person starting a business, starting a company, you know, and kind of be that mentor for the next person. Absolutely, man. Sometimes it is that easy, though. Like if you're at a networking event or something, let's like offer somebody value. It's like this guy's been where I want to go. It's like, hey, could I work for you for free? Like a lot of people don't think of that. Like it's so worth it. I would rather work for some super rich real estate investor than um, go to college. Like, I mean, that's the, that pays for oh, itself wow. over time. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I believe working for free. Um, so cool, man. Like, if the audience wanted to get in touch with you, Mike, like what would be the best way for them to do so? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, just my name, Mike Cantalina. You can find me on there. Uh, I'm on Instagram. It's a uh, Mad Labs Mike. Actually, it was my music company I used to own, another business I had. <laughs> um, I don't post much. I don't really do social media. That's kind of thing I want to work on this year is getting a social media presence, but I do respond to messages. Or you can always email me, uh, Mike at tacticalelectricllc.com, my company. And uh, I'm very responsive. I answer emails like text messages. I love keeping in touch with people. Happy to mentor, happy to share advice I can share. Always looking for people to do deals with, whether I can be the money or the muscle, you know, either side of the deal. I just love to partner with people. I love to work on new projects, whether they're local. Even if you're not in my part of the country, I'd love to, hey, if you're in Texas and you got a good deal, hit me up. Let's do something together. You know, I, I love it. I love networking and meeting people and trying new things and getting involved in new, new ventures. Very cool stuff. There you have it. You know how to reach him. Mike Cantalina, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your multiple businesses. This has been a lot of fun. Um, to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. So go out there and commit to taking one action that you heard in today's episode. Um, maybe next time you get a bit, go get three of them and compare them. And, and don't necessarily pick the lowest price one. Pick the one that you'd like to talk into the most. Sometimes the relationship is more valuable than the money. Like he said, the holding cost could really add up. So the cheapest contractor is oftentimes not the best one. Tell somebody you know that can help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in and we will catch you on the next one.